Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with a very good friend of mine and uh, co-comedian Tessa Waters, who I've had on the podcast before, I think. What do you say? She is a friend of the podcast and I had a really fantastic conversation with her. We're both in New Zealand together, finishing up our Auckland run tonight. And uh, if you are in Wellington or have friends in Wellington, send them to my show Savage or her show Woman's. Uh, which is coming up in the next week. Thank you, everybody, who's been supporting me on Patreon. I've had a jump in numbers over the last month, which is fantastic. It means that I'm more likely to be able to buy new microphones uh, soon and it will be better in your ears. And then the next goal after that is to either get um, a sound editor or to prepare for a live show. So let me know what you would prefer me to spend that money on. Um... Alice R. Fraser at gmail.com is the number. A couple of people have been requesting another solo episode, so I might do that in the next few weeks. Particularly with travel coming up, it will be more difficult to organise podcasts, so it might be good to do one like that, especially th- since things are going to get a little bit uh, movie in the next little while. I'm, I'm going from well, Auckland to Wellington, Wellington to Melbourne, Melbourne to Sydney, Sydney to London, and then I'll be in London for a while, and then in Edinburgh. I'll try and get some interesting UK and Edinburgh voices on this thing. If you have requests for anyone you'd like me to talk to, let me know again, at alliterative on Twitter, alicerfraser at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on Patreon. I think you can message me not 100% sure, but I'm almost sure that that is how that's good. Um, if you want a little bit of of uh, thoughts, I'm going to talk for the next couple of minutes about my time in New Zealand. Otherwise, skip forward about two minutes and get to talking to Tessa Waters. Uh, it's weird. I am now doing Savage in New Zealand, which is last year's show. I worked the resistance in in Melbourne and Sydney and so it's it's strange on a couple of levels one to step back into an old show and that very particular show about that very particular time of my life and that's a strange adjustment it's also funny to be in a new country for the first time taking a big step back in audience numbers although I'm getting good word of mouth and audiences have been growing every night it was sort of uh, an interesting reminder of how far I've come I guess audience numbers which last year would have seemed uh, completely lovely to me uh, seem small coming from you know filling out a hundred seater in Sydney it's just weird how quickly your perspective changes I guess it reminds me of this uh, thing that happened in Perth I went in, in Perth at the comedy festival somebody said oh let's we're all meeting up at the beach tomorrow do you want to come to the beach and I said, sure. And I asked my friend, well, what's the what's this beach? Is it nearby? And he said, yeah, it's just 15 minutes down the beach. You just walk down the beach because that's what Perth is like. They have beaches that go for miles and miles and miles. And they said, but isn't that the nude beach? And I said, I don't think so. I don't think my friends would all be arranging to meet at a nude beach. But sure enough, I walked and then I walked and walked. And then all of a sudden there were the uh, middle-aged gentlemen in... Um, no clothes who tend to populate nude beaches and my friends all in a gang sitting down uh, with no clothes on and it's amazing how quickly you adjust it's amazing how quickly I went from feeling like that was quite a strange thing to feeling like I was maybe being a bit rude by having my swimming costume on 
like a lifetime of social conformity and and ideas about modesty and morality and all of that took five minutes for me to feel uncomfortable in clothes just because the people around me were wearing no clothes and that is fascinating anyway it reflects on the fact that I feel weird about having slightly smaller audiences which is completely uh, arrogant and entitled I guess maybe I don't know just what you get used to and how quickly you get used to it maybe Uh, and reminder that this career is not a straight line in any way Uh, is it anyway that's enough of me rambling and talking to myself I'm probably don't normally do a kind of a talking to myself segment at the beginning because I feel like you'd rather hear what my interesting guests have to say but maybe I'm a little bit lonely in New Zealand and I felt like I needed to offload that feeling in a non-complainy way I'm not I don't feel entitled to bigger audiences uh, but it is a strange feeling and a very quick adjustment anyway onwards to Tessa Waters thanks for listening you're having tea with Alice Have you been seeing Hot Brown Honey? No, I haven't. It's an incredible show uh, by the Briefs Factory. So the guys who do Briefs, the all-male sort of burlesque circus show, mm. which is incredible. Um, they, Fez's sister and uh, a, a bunch of other amazing women, I think it's, it's African, Tongan, Maori, Samoan and Indigenous Australian uh, women and it's just the most inc- I, that show I think had got this started in me because one of their like things is like make some noise and get angry but it's not in this it is an aggressive way but like you sat I sat in the theatre and I was at the same time like elated excited um, laughing my head off Ronnie Cheng he yeah. is one of the best at that does sort of exuberant rage rage yeah. that doesn't make you feel poisoned or sad yeah but it's an expression of something that's it like rage can be an expression of something really good yeah and it's good to be like that's fucked (laughs) well rage is an expression of sort of energy and active active changing of the world yeah Mm. that's a that's an interesting it's a really interesting way to put it i because i told you before that originally with savage i wanted it to be a more physical show than it ended up being which is Mm -hmm. i wanted it to be like me elastic Catered, yeah. Tied two things with elastic, yeah. Uh, so that to give the impression that anything could snap at any minute, and then it was this real, because that's what I felt like mm. when I was confronted with my own rage, which is that maybe I, sh- I'm afraid of my own anger because I feel like it might be incredibly destructive. Yeah. And so because it's not something I'm used to dealing with in the same way as something that you encounter. You don't know what your power is. You don't know what your impact is. Maybe I would just have the most rage-filled... Maybe if I screamed as loud as I could and flung my arms around and did the most rage-filled things, they would have no impact on the world or the people around me, Mm. and I would be dismissed. But that's not my fear. My fear Mm. is that I would ruin (laughs) everything. Like, you become that all-powerful, like... 150-foot woman or whatever she is. But that's it. I think we're very... And I think there is something inherently female about that as well. I think we're we're not aware of... uh, When I I saw that show, Hot Brown Honey, I was like, wow, there is a lot of anger in the And it was all these women, like, going, like, together. 
but it wasn't in this it didn't feel like this negative like violent way or destructive way it felt like elation and it felt like no it's just let's let's unite in that and then pour into something positive and like use it as a driving force yeah a good example is in like um the most recent mad max Mm-hmm. where there's the kind of the berserker the chrome kids who spray silver paint into their nose yes. and like on their way to Valhalla and they sort of scream <laughs> witness me or whatever it is that they I don't yeah. I can't remember sorry if there's a big fan listening <laughs> um but it's basically look at me look at me see me in this moment of of in that case self-immolation destroying themselves in mm. a sort of a great warrior exuberance and mm. there's that's not something that kind of glorious free berserker mode is not something that women have access to yeah it's seen as sort of treacherous in some way because you have other responsibilities like and uh i think for me it it sums up like if i get angry at something i'm gonna be hysterical i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna get my point across um and people are gonna dismiss it doesn't help that help that we leak when I get angry, I'll often find myself on the verge of tears. Yeah, well, exactly. It's and like that, my eyes, my eyes betray me. I'm like, stop leaking eyes. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to stuff two cotton balls into my eyes and then <laughs> then have a shout. Yeah. Like, because you don't want you don't want to weep because that makes it seem more like sadness or pettiness or mm. petulance, mm-hmm. and those are not. And yeah. Oh, there's this great um in a winter's tale, which is Shakespeare. There's a great um, sonnet by the woman in it, or not a sonnet, a, a soliloquy, and it starts with, Oh, that my tongue were in the thunder's mouth. That's awesome. Which I just think is such a good way of articulating that feeling that you had more tools mm. and a different like volume and pitch in which to express your rage to give it more I feel gravity. Like there's this inherent rage. Like it's like there is this it's this bubbling and that's what's the dangerous thing. Like like sadness or like depression when you when you're suppressing something, that's when the powder keg moments happen and that's like and I feel like that's that's what I want to try and explore because I feel like Well the you, difference between how yeah. it feels, which is like volcanic and mm-hmm. underground, and how you express it, which is often in these kind of shrills steam moments which <laughs> yeah. sort of get or like dismissed. apologize like I'm really sorry I'm just like really not playing great I'm really sorry that I'm like you know like I the other day I was backstage and I felt so angry at this at this man's behavior because he'd been aggressive towards me sexually aggressive towards other members in the audience and just kind of really made the show about him so I was angry at him ruining the show I was angry at having been booked for the gig I was angry about having to go and talk to him I was like angry that about how I couldn't have done anything to stop him from, you know, like molesting these other women in the crowd, and like at the same time I felt really just really sad, and like oh, I'm I'm probably just tired. I'm only reacting to this because I'm like I'm really tired after a tour, or I'm like, you know, I, I'm I'm sick of being on the road, or like I just started rationalising it like that as opposed to just going, no, this is actually fact. And it was the first time I went home. I felt really upset about it the next day, and. I just tried to voice, I just put it in an email to the people who booked me for the gig and uh, and they they reacted, like they reacted really well um, and were very concerned about what had happened. But, it, but that's, yeah, that's almost not the thing that you want. You want yeah. the power in the moment to yeah. slap him down either physically or verbally. Yeah. You want to just 
but you can't really do that. No. And again, I'm not, I don't know if I even want to do, I, want, I just want to be able to like, I don't know, I think I want to be able to get to that point where I can just say rationally in a moment, like, that is fuck, like, I want to like, be able to harness the rage to be articulate and biting and like, yeah, sassy in, motherfucker. Particularly <laughs> the, the in the moment thing, because post hoc everything always seems a bit, complicated and messy yeah. and sort of even drawing attention to it after the fact is putting too much emphasis on how much damage it did to you in the moment but if you don't say anything about it then it eats away at you forever and ever so it must be a big deal but yeah. also it wasn't a big deal but is worth mentioning but even just giving that many words to it makes it into this whole thing <laughs> there's this thing that it goes around in in the women in comedy or in performing arts industry it goes around once every three to six months where there'll be we're talking about it this morning there'll be a guy who's yeah just acting up mm-hmm. it's just a bit bit handsy bit touchy yeah. bit whatever it is Captain sexual harassment yeah <laughs> and then you sort of see it happen and you're not sure what your role is or if the girl's you know she's not saying anything in the moment if she's okay with it and will resent your interference or if it's sort of an, a networking ploy on her part and if so you don't want to mm. put your or in where it's not wanted, but at the same time she might be feeling immensely uncomfortable and in being capable of expressing it. Yeah. And then it's all that afterwards, everyone will talk about it and the gets next really day. really angry, especially when it's on Facebook and it's just, everyone starts getting really, like road rage, Facebook rage. Facebook rage. <laughs> that's the other thing, like that's in no way useful. No. Like in those kind of public forums, but. But then what is your, res- I, I wish there was a. Maybe there's an element, so maybe it's also about assertiveness. And, uh... Well, there's that nasty fact that if you give teenage girls assertiveness training, they are less likely to be sexually assaulted. Wow. Which is a really... Well, I say it's nasty because it doesn't fit in with the current kind of real strong push that I agree with to tell men not to do it, rather than to tell women how they should act to prevent it. it. Yeah, And, And you don't... The last thing you want is a woman who gets harassed to feel culpable. Mm. for something that is not her doing Mm. Uh, but at the same time that is numbers wise the strongest correlation so if I had money I'd or you know maybe back off the stand-up comedy at some point I would do that in schools probably yeah but it's a hard sell because it doesn't quite fit with the current like what about men don't Mm. don't do that (laughs) The best way to prevent rape is don't rape. Yeah. Um, yeah. Men should be on curfew. Men shouldn't walk through parks at night. All yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. Which I think is a good argument, but also the people who are listening to that argument are not the men who are doing the raping. Yeah. They're not the men who are doing the harassing. Sophie Hagen put up a thing. Uh, she's won Best Newcomer at Edinburgh this year. That her friend was in that situation where she was making out with a guy and went home with him because she couldn't get home to her place, it was late at night and so on and so forth and he started pushing her beyond the point at which she was comfortable and she said no and he kept pushing and she said oh no and he kept pushing and she said I'm really sleepy and he kept pushing and then she said so are you going to rape me now? Wow. And he stopped. Holy shit. So for him that like resistance and no and excuses and clear reluctance like very very clear like anti vibe that he was getting was not sufficient but it was the 
just Naming putting it. it in that brutal way. And he sort of Adrian. leapt off her as though he'd been stung and was sort of outraged at the accusation. Wow. And if she hadn't said that, he would have been a rapist. God, that is intense. Right, that's the, that's, and I thought, that's fuck. Yeah. Yeah, and so what if, you know, with these older gentlemen who get handsy when they're drunk in the industry, what if someone said, you're sexually harassing me, and didn't laugh while they said it? I, like, that's, that's what I find interesting about the live, live performance industry, is that I, I was at a, in a temp job last year, and there's a guy, it's the first time I've encountered proper sexual harassment in the workplace, like, in, well, no, not the first time, but the first time, in an office space. In an office space, yeah. yeah. I, I encounter it all the time in the live performance industry. Um, and, uh, and it was so clearly inappropriate, and it was just a case of, like, he would, every time he'd come into the office and see me, he'd, and any young girl in the office, he would comment on what they were wearing, and he'd sort of make these I, like comments about, you know, are you going out with your friends, and uh, were you out dancing last night, and oh, they're good dancing shoes, and, like, and sort of like talk to you really close and so sort of like just be in your space all the time but it was only to the young girls in the office and it was creepy like and everyone could see it very clearly as creepy and so I ended up and I sort of just I, I go on the avoidance like I just like try and ignore and just but like yeah. passionately ignore someone until they kind of get that which again is like that's not really the most direct Way to thing, but I think at one point I was just I I just I said you know what your behaviour makes me uncomfortable and he flipped out and he felt and he really like pulled back and then I became a bit of a bitch in his eyes and you know yeah but that's the fear right you don't mm. want to be the bitch and certainly because in our culture it is not an un it's not an impossible to conceive sentence for a man to say. She made me look ridiculous. She humiliated me, so I killed her. Yeah. That's, that's not common. That's an in, like, if you think about that in a non gendered way, that's an insane thing to say. Yeah. And obviously, it's the most extreme articulation of that particular fear. But it's part of our culture. It's part of our culture that, you mm -hmm. know, uh, who was it came home and he found his daughter in bed with his wife in bed with two young men and uh, the. The oracle had said, you know, stay your hand or be careful. And she woke up and she's like, they're our sons. Mm -hmm. But the idea that he would have felt completely okay if they had not been their yeah. sons in killing her. Yeah. And that would have seemed justified in the narrative. And all of that's like really embedded in our ideas mm. of how people should be. Well, this is, yeah, I think this is like that, that sense of like where I, I'm really fascinated about discovering uncovering the layers of programming that I have in my own mind about behaviour that I think is just like, oh, I'm a bit nervous about saying to someone in a, at a gig that is maybe a, a, a more famous than I am to, like, please don't touch my bum, you know? Yeah. <laughs> because I feel like I will be... that they'll get cross at me, that I'll get a bad reputation in the industry, like, I'll lose something. And, like, so that that's really... I'm like, is that... Is that from me? Is that from like where does that come from? And I think there's like it's really interesting discovering those things that are more well, inherent. Like it's like a, that's a, a female thing. Yeah, and that it's not just the industry thing in an industry where everything feels precarious all the time. Mm. And yeah, that is a super. That's a super weird one. If you called mm. people out more, how much punishment would you get for it? 
Because when you get when you're first starting out as well, and you've got a gig, like you you go up that gig and you just want to give the best impression you can. Yeah. And try and get and to do really well, and so that they'll be like, not only did she do a great set, but she's great to hang out with. Therefore, I want to hang out, have her back at the gig. Yeah. And if somebody's thinking, oh, let's, I want to do a tour, but I'm a you know white male in my forties and. And it'll look good for me to have a young lady open for me so I can take some one round and they'll get paid to do gigs and it'll be 15 minutes every night and it'll be a huge explosion. Not Tess, if she's a bit of a bitch. Yeah, like, exactly. You don't want exactly. that. Exactly, you don't want to be that Even person. though that's an entirely imaginary, probably unlikely yeah. scenario. But it's a fear, isn't it? Like you kind of go, yeah. It's amazing. It's such a, an interesting, yeah. I, I find that all... Uh, it's it's scary because I think it all feels precarious. Maybe it's also the industry as well. Like the arts feels precarious because it is like the work can just go. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> the it gigs, can. the funding, the the job. You know, like it can just disappear in a second. Um. Then you look at some people who've kind of burned all of their bridges and are still ticking along fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like how are you still getting gigs? But I guess if you think about, like I've just binge watched seven seasons of Mad Men. Good. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. That was my like on tour kind of like thing I'd watch when I'd get back from shows and stuff. And like seeing that, like seeing the fifties and women's roles in the office and stuff, like it's the same thing. Like that's what I think I find interesting. There's no regulation in like comedy or music or for DJs or for musicians or anything. There's no like clear set of rules. Like an office, you know now because there was a massive movement about it. Yeah. <laughs> about sexual harassment in the workplace. Uh, and there's that doesn't exist because live spaces are often also recreational spaces. So yeah. you're, you're in playing a in a bar. pub and you're often drinking and you're often paid in alcohol. Yes. Um, which I'm not against, but like, <laughs> but you know, so it is this social slash workplace. Yeah, and it, there is a, all of those lines are fluid. Mm. Like you're having this this experience where. People don't know whether you're there in your role as performer or out of it. Mm. Laura Davis introduces herself when she meets people off stage as a sort of a form of like, you think you know me, but you don't know me. Ah. Like she'll very firmly put her hand like, I'm, a, I'm Laura. Yeah. And I'll do that if, if you have that. And inevitably it, it, it happens occasionally where someone will come up to you after the show and yeah. be trying to hit on you. Yeah. And you can tell by the angle of their approach and the way yeah. that their sort of yeah. body language is that that's the move they're going for. And you can sort of prevent it by straight up handshake. Yeah. Hi, I'm Alice. What's your name? Yeah. And it stops them in their tracks of, of I, oh, I know you. I know you. Yeah. Like, no, you, don't, you know my show. Mm. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. But I am not my work. Yeah. And everyone else. And then sometimes you do want to pick up someone new. You're like, yeah, that's a babe. And you have like, yeah, there's that, also like, that's the thing. Like, yeah. I'm, I, I'm guilty of both ways. You know, the grey space. Yeah, I play in that grey space as well. And it, but it's, so it's it's not about. I don't even know what it's about. I guess we're kind of like, it's 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 not necessarily about yeah. one or the other. It's 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 just general appropriateness because what we're saying is like. Like if I was in a club and someone came up and like was super sleazy as well, I wouldn't be okay with it. Even if it was a completely social space. Yeah, true. Just so in society, some things are not acceptable, yeah. Yeah. which is like touching a lady who you don't know is bum. Yeah. Like you got to buy a coffee for the lady before you touch her bum, <laughs> yeah. like, or whatever it is. Yeah. I tend to 
err on the side of really strict rules mm. and I don't think it's necessarily to my benefit like mm. I will not socialize rather than socialize in an uncertain space I tend to put I tend to put comedians off limits uh, and audience members off limits mm. at, in terms of that stuff I don't know if it's useful but it sort of makes the problem go away yeah well at least I mean it's, it's personal isn't it like whatever I mean I know I mean you know there's like there's the there's a joke of uh, who was saying like you know male comedian oh Louis Omelon in her most recent show uh, Am I Right Ladies she does this great thing about um, male comedians having all these like girls crack on to them after the show and she's just like oh, I'm going to be a comedian I'm like, going to get all these guys and they're going like, to be like lining up to like and she's like, that all right, where's my... And there's, like, no one or, like, one old creepy guy that comes up to her. One very, very drunk person <laughs> or the person who wants you to fix them. Yeah. Which is me or the person who... Uh, the person who wants you to dominate them. Yeah. Because the reality is that being on stage is a power move. Yeah. Oops. And that is thing of water. Um, yes, I think it's... I find it interesting, especially with Woman, which is a show I'm performing here. Um, oh, good. Um, uh, it's a very sexually liberated character. Like her whole, the whole show is about making. Like she, I do all these sexual innuendos throughout the show. I'm dancing around this glittery leotard. I, I ask the audience to yell "I love you" at their crotch in this beautiful celebratory moment. We have a big dance party, and I'm constantly flirting with the entire crowd. And that is the point. Like it's the point. My goal in that show is to make everyone feel really sexy and awesome as they leave the room. Yeah, but <laughs> sexy in an exuberant way. Yeah, ra- like the exuberant yeah, the... anger rather than the sleazy anger. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I have had a lot of people come up to me after the show or on tour, thinking that that is me all the time, and that also by doing that it enables them, like they are allowed to, in a non-performance environment be super sleazy and like come on to me like I've had or not sleep like I've had people after the show one particular guy oh no this happened quite a lot actually like people come up to me and go oh you did really great I was really turned on by that as a compliment post show and uh or one guy said um and he genuinely thought that this was a compliment like he he was a great audience member him and his mates loved it they were they gave so much and they were just a pleasure to have in the audience and then he got my autograph after the show and I was taking photos in Edinburgh. And he said, oh, I love that. That was so great. Um, you gave me a semi. And I was like, wow. Is that a, a metaphor? <laughs> I don't think it was. I think it was like, but he genuinely thought it was a compliment. And so it's this sort of thing like going, a part of me is like, it's a totally inappropriate thing to say um, to anyone ever, unless they're your partner or that you're about to have sex with them. Um, but at the same time, the character in like celebrates that, you know. But that's yeah, that's kind of the, the difference. Going, I was on the stage then. I'm not on the stage now. Like yeah, and it's definitely a character. Maybe you think it's me all the time. I don't know, but I reckon you get one crack. <laughs> like you get one chance to be wrong, yeah. and then if someone's like, oh no no no, that's just the character. It's not me. Then if yeah. you keep pushing it, I think yeah yeah, I think you know in that same way as like. I don't blame you for trying. Yeah. Have a shot. But yeah, you have particularly you have a very a great bit about casual sex. Yeah. And and the walk of shame and how it shouldn't be the walk of shame, which I I love that bit. It's mm. such a good bit. Mm. 
And I can imagine people just going, oh, that's what she thinks. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to walk out of shame out of my house, lady? Yeah, yeah. Like, and, you know, like, sometimes... The other thing, I think... Um, and this is, a, like, a side step a little bit, but um, the idea of flirting and... and uh, like, I, I'm, I, I can't... I find it really difficult to get on board with Tinder. Like, I'm not that I, I'm not... Uh, in support of it and I don't agree that you can do it I just personally I really like the physical connection that you have with someone when they're in front of you yeah and I like that chemical thing that happens um so if everything goes completely PC and no one can ever say anything then like flirting is really hard and, yes. ba- and I love like sexy banter with someone I'm actually attracted to so it's this but it's like this constant like thing like you don't want to like wipe it out but maybe it's like it's a time and a place thing. It is a hundred percent a time and a place for the room thing because this is and this is the thing, right? <laughs> this is the thing. There's this kind of argument that the red pillars do, which is the kind of men's rights activist, you know, women secretly rule the world guys. Yeah. <laughs> they say, well, the only difference between a creepy and romantic gesture is if the girl's into you. To which I say, yes. <laughs> Because in that case, a romantic gesture is in response to a couple of go signals. Yeah. And a creepy gesture is in response to your own imagination and no yeah. no subtle signals from the lady that are saying and that disregard. she would be open yeah. to such a thing. So it's, it's really a matter of, of communication, non-verbal communication mm. in that case with somebody's flirting with you their body language is comfortable, they're open, they're mm-hmm. interested in you, they're responding, even if not in words, in, in a really yeah. clear way. And so it's just about having some social competence. Yeah. yeah. And I guess so much of that, doesn't it, comes from like that entitlement of like, I'm a man, therefore you're a woman, and if I give you attention, you're going to want it. Yeah, that um, they get to dictate the course, terms. you know, as opposed to... Rather than it being a dialogue. Mm. Which I think is, yeah, I think it's... It is such a clear-cut thing. And then I feel really sorry for the guys who can't tell the difference. Mm. Because for them, it must look completely arbitrary. Yeah. When they one, do not know. Like, they literally, they go, I, I, because they haven't been given that You know, that girl, education. that guy left a dozen red roses on that girl's doorstep and then they got married. And that guy left a dozen red roses on that girl's doorstep and got arrested. What's the difference? <laughs> yeah. like, you, if you can't read those really subtle kind of interpersonal mm. exchanges of energy and... and, and mm non-verbal communication then the world would be a really terrifying and confusing place maybe that's why you know well if people like that old-fashioned view of like you know you used to ask someone out and like that would be like a very clear like that article you did the other day about like you were talking about modern dating and how oh yeah it's very very confusing like it's absolutely hanging out or we go on a date or like (laughs) you break down those boundaries yeah to avoid humiliation and having to kill the woman I guess <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny isn't it but I think it's something really uh, ter- equally terrifying in the sense of exciting to, like, as in like oh this is a scary thing to do but I'm excited it's like asking someone out like I have so much respect for someone who asks me out yeah. Or ask anyone else. Well, that's what I meant. Like, terrifying. You get one swing. Like, 100%, I'm not going to hold it against yeah. anybody like, for having a go because mm. it's a very brave thing to do. Yeah, to, like, be vulnerable and, uh, and, and to be open and to admit that you like someone, especially because we're all like, oh, keep your options open. You know? I'll, tell, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll tell you what. has given me much more appreciation for that 
and for how confusing and upsetting it is if someone doesn't respond. Because you can objectively say, of course I'm not going to suit everybody. Of course I'm not going to hit everybody's buttons. Mm -hmm. People are differently constituted. You like asparagus, it makes me wretch. Whatever it is, you can understand objectively that taste is different. But if there's someone in the audience who, by virtue of being the audience, you want them to like you, Mm. and they just don't, it feels like a rejection of you as a human being, Mm. not a rejection of your art, not a rejection of... Well, you know, a perfectly legitimate rejection of something that they don't have a taste for. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You've got to go to your sound check. What, oh, where yeah. can people find you online? Uh, TessaWaters.com or Tessa Waters Comedy on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, I think, as well. And I'm on Snapchat now, so I'll have Tessa Waters lols. And you're running three shows at the moment. Woman's? Woman's, uh, How to Be a Rockstar, which is a kid's show, and Over Promises. And Over Promises. And then we're working on the Rage we're show We're working on, future. like, Tessa Waters flips out, or whatever it's called. <laughs> All right, uh, keep an eye out for that. If you're in Edinburgh, see her there. Otherwise, just follow her on the internet and find out where she is at any given time and leave her a dozen red roses. <laughs> you're having tea with Alice. Yay! That was a great chat. That was heaps good. Thank you.